In the wake of Me Too, Time's Up, and the growing list of public figures who have been called out for sexual assault and misconduct, it can seem like exciting, spontaneous, and satisfying sex is an unattainable ideal. That sex is too deeply buried beneath misinformation, violence, and shame to be enjoyed anymore. And yet, I know from personal experience that that is not true. Despite the odds, people are having great sex all the time, but they don't always get the chance to talk about it. Well, today, listeners, I'm here to change that. My name is Robin, and this is The Peak. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Peak, the talk show about what makes good sex good. My name is Robin, and today I am joined with Mackenzie, a test counselor and risk reduction specialist at a local aid service organization. Mackenzie, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that you're here. I am so excited to be getting more sexual health specialists and uh, people who work in the sex health field, and I'm just so happy that you are here. Um, Well, why don't we start off with you introducing yourself to the listeners and describing what it is you do. Okay, so you already said I'm Mackenzie. Hi. Um, I am a test counselor, but the fancy name for that is risk reduction specialist. And essentially what that is is... um, I do STD testing, mainly HIV and syphilis, and I do pre and post uh, pre and post counseling, um, giving results and linking my positive clients into care, among other things. Very cool. Um, when did you decide that you wanted to get into uh, STD STI testing? Hmm. I think probably. So I did my internship where I work now, and um, so I was kind of panicking during college towards the end. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I fell in love with where I was interning. And um, my clients really just are really awesome, and that's pretty much what brought me in. But originally, um, probably spanning back to when I was 10 or 11, I I think I was reading like an article in The Times. I feel Mm -hmm. like I was probably really... I have the old spirit. So I was reading the times when I was 10 or 11 and um, there was a picture of Ryan White. Do you know who he is? I don't. Okay. So Ryan White was a um, hemophiliac back in the 1980s. He contracted HIV through a blood transfusion. Mm. And um, I was just really upset with the stigma that he faced. He was ostracized. He was kicked out of school. His, um, I think bullets were shot through his house and his family had to relocate. And I just figured that is absolutely awful. What makes him so different from me? You don't hear anybody talking about that. You don't hear or see that stigma with somebody who has leukemia. Like what's what's the difference between like having a blood cancer and having HIV? So that really upset me. And, you know, the older I got, I just figured if I could help one person change their mindset about STDs, but more specifically speaking, HIV, I feel like I would do a good job. I'd be happy at the end of the day. Wow. 
So this was an interest that started pretty early on for you. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever known before I started my job. I don't think anyone had ever disclosed to me that they were living with HIV. Um, But I've always been pretty passionate about that for sure. Wow, that's really cool. Um, So would you tell me about a day in the life of you in your position? Okay. So um, depending on the day, sometimes we would go off-site to um, local colleges or sometimes nightclubs. Uh, You just have to kind of come to your crowd, come to your clientele. Um, But a lot of the times you test maybe five to six people and um, you go through some really personal questions, but you let people know up front, hey, I'm going to be asking you some personal questions about your sexual health, but it's going to help me give you better, not advice, but essentially advice on how to do better sexually. Mm. Um, And And keep yourself safe. Yeah, exactly. Um, So we just kind of go through those general questions. How many people have you had sex with in the past year? Um, When was the most recent time you had sex without a condom? Um... We just go through really basic questions like that um, just to kind of see where they are. And then we give them their test results and negative or positive, you're always going to go. It's basically like a scale. And um, if they're positive, then we're going to give them counseling, give them risk reduction. How can you protect yourself? How can you protect your partner? How can you protect your community and link them to care? If they're negative, but they're at risk, then we're going to go the same way. Here's some risk reduction. We're going to um, link you to care. Care can be PrEP. Um, Do you know what PrEP is? I do, but why don't you tell our listeners? Okay, so PrEP is a a really cool pill that you would take once a day. It stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis, and I kind of compare it to birth control in the sense that I can't take my birth control once every six months and be like, how did I get pregnant? Same concept for PrEP. You have to take it every day for it to work. It's most effective. Um, And it is um, a prevention method. Correct. Yes. Um, To prevent the... It's to like reduce the risk of transmission of HIV. Got it. PrEP... I think the brand name, the brand name is Truvada and it's actually an HIV medication, but they're using it in a preventative method, which is really neat. But yeah, it's, I've talked to a lot of people who are living with HIV and they were, they were diagnosed at the beginning of the epidemic in the eighties and they would have killed essentially for something like that to be invented back then. Um, But it's here now and that's what matters. But if somebody tests negative and they're interested in PrEP, then my goal is to get them linked to care to PrEP, which is awesome. Um, that's pretty much it. (laughs) Okay, cool. So it's like, it's not just testing people. It's also counseling. It's public outreach and it's education. For sure. A lot of, lot of education. Um, a lot, I, working in this field, um, health literacy is like hammered into your head and not everybody is on not everybody went to college not everybody has their master's so um you need to speak to your clients in a way that they can understand and I think that's really important um I had a client and I I asked something about vaginal sex and he didn't know what vaginal meant so 
um, I think I was being observed at that point and my trainer was like, essentially dumb it down. Like it's okay to say penis and vagina sex. If that's what he's going to understand, then that's what he's going to understand, you know? So you mm-hmm. have to really meet your clients where they, where they are. Yeah. I, I love that. I studied communication in college and some of the different things we studied were like different types of communication and how you have to craft a method to not just be what you mean, but to be what the people receiving your message will understand. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So how I would talk to a, I don't know, like 21 year old would be completely different than how I would talk to somebody who's in their 60s or 70s, which we totally get a ton of older people testing, which I'm super excited because I feel like people think once you, once you're 65, you stop having sex and that's absolutely not true. Definitely. All right. So what is something that you wish people knew about HIV AIDS? Definitely about being undetectable. Um, Undetectable means you still are living with HIV, but um, there's so few copies of the virus in your system because you are taking your medication and the medication is literally suppressing the virus that it's impossible to transmit to somebody. So um, I have clients that come in panicked and they're like, my partner just told me that he's been positive for two years and he didn't disclose that to me and we've been having condomless sex. And I'm like, okay, I understand your panic. Did he or she talk to you about um, their status? Are they undetectable? Yeah, he said that he's undetectable. Okay, perfect. Um, He's undetectable. There's no risk of transmission through sex. And I think that's something a lot of people don't know. They just hear HIV AIDS and they they think the absolute worst. Mm -hmm. It takes them back to like 1987. And we truly have come such a long way since then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had no idea about undetectability until a few weeks ago one of my friends posted on Facebook like a picture of his HIV status report he said I am HIV positive but I am undetectable that's what this means and I learned so much from him like just scrolling through my Facebook feed um so yeah that I think that's a It's amazing that we have come that far with medicine. Yeah. um, So in this city that I lived in, um, we essentially signed this really cool agreement that really big cities all over the world have also signed, and it makes us a fast-track city. And um, the name of the agreement is 90-90-90. So there's three 90s, right? So the first 90 is by 2020, 90% of all people living with HIV will know their status. The second 90 is by 2020, 90% of all people diagnosed with HIV will receive sustained antiviral um, therapy. And the third 90 is by 2020, 90% of all people receiving um, antiretroviral therapy will have viral suppression. So they'll be um, undetectable, which is really cool. Because that not only protects themselves, that keeps them safe and healthy, but it also protects their partners and their community. Having um, a sustained viral load as a community makes your community way safer, essentially. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. Awesome. So what is something you wish people knew about getting tested? Getting tested... 
it's actually really fast process, at least where I work. Uh, depending on everybody's needs and concerns, it can take anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes. And I'm only there to help you. Um, my position is called a risk reduction specialist. It's risk reduction, not risk elimination. So we're not there to solve all of your problems today. I have people who come back, I see three, four times a year, depending on you know their activities and whatnot. But my whole goal is to meet you where you're at. If you're not ready to start using condoms, okay, let's talk about pulling out. Um, pulling out doesn't completely eliminate the um, the risk of pregnancy, but it it re- it doesn't eliminate the risk of pre- pregnancy, but it damn near is really close. You know, you're not, for lack of better words, blowing your entire load into somebody. You know, you're pulling out and coming somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not as scary as people think. I think. You see in a lot of movies, it's very sterile, um, very hospital-like, and that's not what any of our offices are like. I have dildos everywhere, right? (laughs) Where the client would sit down, they look over at my desk, and I've got like three dildos, and that always like gets a laugh out of people. They're like, God, I was so fucking nervous, and I just looked at those that glittery dildo, and I feel (laughs) a lot better, and I'm like, okay, good, it's working. Like, let me help you. Let me meet you where you are. So what is something that you wish people knew about your work and the job that you do? Hmm. I wish people knew they think it's very like in and out, super easy. And it is, but there's just so much that comes with it. Um, It can be like very emotionally taxing. Um, You're hearing people's personal stories. Not everybody is there just for an annual checkup. Sometimes there's sexual assault survivors that are coming in. Um, There's just a lot of trauma that goes into that. And it's really hard not to absorb that trauma, you know? Mm -hmm. They always say, don't take your work home. And it's a lot easier said than done. So my last question about your work is, what is your advice to someone who hasn't been tested before and is considering getting tested for STDs or HIV, all of the above. Okay. My advice to them would be go on and do it. Um, You won't ever know your status until you get tested. I hear all the time, somebody will be in the waiting room. Oh, are you here to test? No, I'm just like moral support for somebody else. Um, I'm pretty sure I don't have anything. Pretty sure doesn't sound like 100%. You don't, you're just guesstimating or no, I don't sleep with dirty girls. I don't sleep with dirty guys. And I'm like, what do you mean by dirty? And they're like, you know, like sluts. And I'm like, what's your definition of sluts? (laughs) And they kind of just pause on it because they've never thought about that. And especially um, that language, dirty, clean. I always tell my clients, I stop them right there and I'm like, first things first, only your laundry and like a tabletop can be dirty. You know, people aren't dirty just because you have an STD doesn't make you dirty. It happens. You get it treated. You start taking your medicine and you move on. But it doesn't make somebody dirty. So um, I would essentially just say come in and get tested so you know you know what your status is and you can start your path to continue living life. That's so that's so wonderfully said. Thank you for sharing that and thank you for describing your work to us. So now we're gonna move into the personal side of the interview. Okay. 
I've realized what I've been calling questions aren't so much questions as they are discussion prompts, so I'm going to try calling them that and see if it <laughs> feels right. Um, my first discussion prompt for you is, um, could you please describe your sexual personality and identity to us? Sexual identity, for sure. Straight. Um, and my sexual identity. What are some adjectives? Um, hmm. I, I guess I've never, it's like never been posed to me like that. Mm -hmm. Can we come back to this question? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so putting sexual personality and identity aside, okay. uh, could you please tell us about your first time having <laughs> sex or a uh, significant early sexual experience? Um, my first time having sex... Um, I was 18 and I thought this was, I was in high school. So I was so sad, like, oh my God, this is going to be, I'm going to lose my virginity to somebody I really, truly love. And we're going to be together for the rest of our lives. Ha ha ha. That was not true. <laughs> um, I was so nervous. Like no one ever, they don't really give you details on like what it's going to be like. And you just kind of have to experience it yourself. Um, I was really nervous. I was in a hotel. I feel like it's so like cliche. Um, but I lost my virginity to a long-term boyfriend. We'd been dating for like two years and I was just very, very nervous. And, um, he had already slept with someone else. So he was just, I was like, okay, be my teacher in this aspect, I guess. Like, don't lead me down the wrong way. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, and, um, my friends had told me, like, it's going to hurt really bad. Like, just grit your teeth and, like, get it over with. And I was like, oh, I don't like that. That sounds awful. And I was just, like, bracing myself for a bunch of pain. And it wasn't as painful as they said. Just kind of pinched. And then it happened. And I thought I was supposed to feel, like, super special afterwards. Like, I watched that 70s show. They talked about Donna and um, Eric having, like, a glow. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't have that glow. What is, I feel the same. I just, my yeah, I was like, I wanted that. And I thought I was going to join some special club and I was just like, okay, next day <laughs> sort of thing. So I don't know. I feel like it was just literally anticlimactic. Uh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. First time was not that great. Um, but there were better times. <laughs> Did you climax the first time? No, no. And he, I mean, we were both really young. I mean, 18. That's, that's still, still yeah, that's young. young. Um, so I don't think he had been with a ton of people before me. And he that was definitely my first time. So I just think we both had a lot to, to learn. Sounds like he was maybe talking himself up a little bit. Like, oh, baby, I'm so experienced. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, I've heard people describe like an orgasm. And I know I didn't have one. So we'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try again yeah. another time. Next time. I just want to say that so many of my guests on this show have described like their first time or like different parts of their sexual experiences as cliche, but they have all been different. Like no one who comes on my show says the same story as another person. Like there, there are lots of similarities. Yeah, for sure. The feelings can probably be similar. But I don't think that your first time was cliche. I haven't had any 
I don't think I've had anyone else say, oh, yeah, we got a hotel room. And I felt like, I mean, it wasn't prom, but I felt like it might as well have been prom. I, like, dressed up, and I was like, this is just a very formal. Okay. <laughs> like, I mean, I wasn't, like, in a dress, but, like, I, I, got, I got dressed up, you know, and yeah. I was like, this is a big night. Did you guys go on like a nice date first? We did. Um, he was in he was in the military, so he was back on leave. So mm-hmm. I hadn't seen him in a really long time. So I think there had just been a lot of build up mm-hmm. to that night. So I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be a night I will remember for the rest of my life. And it's really when I just am like, yikes, that happened. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> So he was in the military. Was he a lot older than you? No. Um, he was, I was 18. So I think he was 19. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. he just graduated a year before, or a year ahead of me. I see. Well, so you were talking about wishing for that afterglow from that 70s show. Can you tell me about some times where you did get an afterglow? Yes. Um... Not not with my first partner, but um, with my current one. Like, I will walk into work and somebody will be like, wow, why do you look so, like, glowy? And I'm like, got dick last night and it was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just think the older you get, especially, like, with sex, you're just kind of, like, you don't want to go through all the bullshit. You want to get to know somebody, right? And my boyfriend currently took the time to to know me as a person, but also to get to know my body mm-hmm. and is straightforward. Like, is that okay? Do you like what? You don't really seem to be into that. What is a better way? Like he genuinely wants to see me climax. And I've had shitty uh, past ex-boyfriends who didn't care for that. They were just like, oh, better luck, uh, better, better luck next time sort of thing, where I was like, I don't deserve this. I deserve better. What the fuck? No, <laughs> Everyone deserves a sexual partner who cares about their pleasure. Yeah, 100%. So I always want to, like, kick younger me in the self for being, like, or kick younger me in the butt for being like, why'd you stick around so long with this partner who, like, didn't give two shits about whether or not you came or not? But you live and you learn. <laughs> you do. You do. Ah. Now there's a cliche. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I hate it, but it's so true. <laughs> Boy, I will go into that on my, like, last four-year relationship. That's, I, we broke up in. Do you want to tell a parable? A cautionary tale? Correct. All right. Go forth. Um, so I was in a relationship for four years, and it was long distance, but um, we went back and forth, and... This man, I won't even give him the title of man. I will say boy. Once said during sex, after he came, he said, he was like, did you come? And I was like, no. And he was like, you know that old guy from, um, I think it's a Geico commercial. He's got like the fishing pole. And he's like waving, um, at the end of the hook is a dollar. And he's like waving the um, the dollar in front of this woman. And she keeps missing it. And he's like, gotta be quicker than that. That was essentially what he said. And I was like, wow, I really don't deserve this. I truly don't deserve this. So when did you break up with him? So that was probably like year two. And we stayed together for two more years because I was like, ha, ha, ha. And I think once you're in a relationship for that long, you just get, I hate to say you get comfortable, but I just got comfortable and I didn't feel like going through, like I was, 
I guess at that point I was in the relationship out of convenience, unfortunately. I've already gotten to know you and sure you've said some fucked up things, but like I'll move past that. And we broke up. And I've never felt like so good after we like, you know, I I cried, you grieve a little bit, but I was Mm -hmm. like, wow, I could really do what I want now. And I can have sex with people and they're going to make me come. Yeah. So if someone's really not making you come and you're giving them like explicit advice on how to do that and they're just not interested in them, interested in doing that, break up with them. Yeah. And that's not just coming sexually. That's coming emotionally. That's coming intellectually. That's spiritually. It's all of that. They don't care about you feeling good. They can't follow instructions. Dump their asses. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. Wonderful. Um, All right. So tell us about um, some good times that you have had with your partner. So with my current boyfriend, I feel like it's all the time. And I feel like that's a really annoying answer. But... um, You know, when you don't, you just have like a lazy day and you don't make plans. So you can literally have sex all day. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the sort of sex where you just lose track of time and you're all sweaty and nobody cares that you're sweaty and you don't hear your phone ringing. You don't hear your phone vibrating, anything like that. And you just lose yourself inside of your partner, that sort of thing. Um, where I just can't even sometimes I like can't process everything that's happening because it's so good. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Where I'm just like, Oh Lord, like, (laughs) thank you God. Like, I don't know why I want to apologize, but I'm just going to apologize just because sort of (laughs) thing where I'm like, God, thank you so much. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much. Um, (laughs) I don't know. My partner, my boyfriend is just very, he really listens. And that's so, I don't know. After being in a shitty four-year relationship, I feel like that's so foreign to me. So him doing bare minimum things like listening, I'm just like, wow, that's so amazing. <laughs> wow, I love you so much well, sort I of thing. Well, he does more than the bare minimum. No, no, it's listening. he goes above and beyond. But I just feel like, and I would joke with my friends, um, wow, like he held the door open for me. Um, He's like such a keeper. There's this thing on Twitter, like bare minimum Twitter. And um, it's essentially (laughs) that like, wow, he pulled out my chair for me. He offered to pay for dinner, that sort of thing. And I think I went into this relationship kind of thinking that just because I had such a shitty experience in the past. But you grow a little bit and you just realize, what the fuck? I deserve so much more. And when you're with somebody who's like, you deserve more than what you think. It's absolutely amazing. So um, I feel like a lot of the times, most of the times, all the times are really good times for me with my boyfriend now. Good. That's awesome. So what are some things that you have learned about sexuality and yourself since you like started having sex at 18 to where you are now? I've learned more about myself for sure. Um, I think when I was in college, I brought like my first vibrator and that because with my very first boyfriend who I lost my virginity to, like I didn't experience like a real orgasm. So I was like, 
let me learn to do this. And I started using a vibrator. And it's not really hard to make you come with a vibrator, at least me personally. <laughs> so I was like, let me not use this and learn how to give myself an orgasm. <clears throat> because I think it's going to be really hard to direct somebody if you don't know like how to pleasure yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's been able to help me loads with my current partner. Like, I'm not afraid to be like, oh, go to the left. Or like, you know, give really a vivid uh, mm-hmm. direction like that. Because sometimes I think guys need that. Um, I think everyone needs yeah, that. Yeah. Girls need that. All people in all genders need yeah, that. Yeah. Like, you're never going to know unless somebody corrects you. And I think I see a lot of that in, like, clients where they're like, well, that doesn't really feel good to me. But I just lay there and let, let it happen. Like, it doesn't necessarily hurt them. But, like, it's also not bringing them pleasure. Mm-hmm. And they don't know how to voice their opinion. So mm-hmm. they're just like, yeah, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, yeah. And I'm like, talk to your partner. You should be able to have that conversation with whoever you're dating to be like, you know what? I don't really like it when you do this. I think when you go one degree east, I think it's <laughs> – I don't know why I, like, brought out a compass um, to have <laughs> sex. But, um, like, if you go a little bit more to the left, like, it feels a lot better. And um, I think people need to hear that. Just Mm -hmm. to know that it's okay to say that. It's okay to have open channels of communication with your partner. Actually, that's super encouraged uh, (laughs) to do that. But you're never going to have great sex unless you voice your opinion, unless you talk to your partner about what feels good to you. Definitely. And vice versa. Definitely. Communication is essential. I think that has been, so far, one of the biggest um like recurring patterns among the interviews that I've held people saying like having a partner that you're comfortable with who knows your body and who you can talk to correct um sidebar that comment you made about the compass made me visualize like the world's funniest like New Yorker cartoon where this guy's like why do you have like a map and a compass in bed it's like so you can find the damn button <laughs> yeah I've had oh gosh I A lot of teenagers come in to test and um, they open up. They're like, oh, you're young, you're relatable sort of thing. So they open up and they're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm making her come. And I'm like, bless you. You're like 15. Um, There's no way. Yeah. I was like, have you just ever asked her? And he was like, no. I'm like, oh, well, you might think about that. Like. She has an opinion. She has a body that like feels things and she's probably not feeling what you want her to feel. Just ask her, be upfront. If you don't know where the clitoris is, ask her. Like if somebody was like, where's your clit? If my partner was like, where's your clit? It's right here. Like, let me show you. I want you to be able to find it and pleasure me. And that's a good opportunity to be like, here, let me take your hand. Yeah. I'll show you. It is a teachable moment as people say. Mm-hmm. So... Would you talk a little bit about your, um, I guess, journey towards uh, being able to communicate in bed? Because, I mean, I know at least I was super shy when I first started yeah. having sex. Um, but yeah, so. Um, I think I just was really irritated. I would hear my friends who would, at that point, like had had several uh, more sexual partners than I had had and they would just talk about really great sex and I was like what the fuck I'm 
not experiencing that. Like how I want to do that too. I want to feel that too. Um, and I think I asked a friend, like a very close friend where I was just like, Hey, what's your secret? (laughs) What do you, how do you get him to make you come? And she was like, first things first, like, don't rely on a man to make you come. Like you can make yourself come even when you're sleeping with someone else. And I was like, that was a very iconic, like a very light bulb moment to me wow. where I was like, wow, okay, that makes total sense. I don't know why I didn't think about that beforehand. I've never heard it worded that way, but that's like... It's true. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, just you really fuck me up. Why don't you? Like that was really, <laughs> that was legendary. And it sounds so simple. Um, and she was just like, you just have to talk to your partner. If you're not comfortable talking to your partner... If you're afraid of like backlash that they're going to say, then that's probably not the right partner for you. And that's the advice I give people that come in to test. Well, what if my partner says this or what if they say that? That's not the right one for you then. Wow. That's like top five best advice I've ever heard. Like it sounds like duh, but then when you say it, you're like shook (laughs) for lack of better words. For real. Wow. 10 out of 10. Good friend. Wow, yeah. And um, love her. Shout out to you. You know who you are. She sounds great. should bring her on the show. She would kill it. Yeah. Tell her to hit me up. I will. I will. I will. Great. Okay. I'm going to bring it back to my first discussion prompt and see if you have an answer that you want to share. So how would you describe your sexual personality? So I'm, I think I'm really passionate. Um, I think I'm very passionate, but I'm also like really silly. So like, I like to laugh a lot during sex. Mm -hmm. So if I don't know, like penis falls out or whatnot, or just a queef, like I really, I, it's very childish, but like, I just like being able to laugh with my partner, Mm -hmm. um, just to be like, wow, those are things that you don't see on TV. No one talks about queefing on TV during like sex scenes and stuff. And it's just, it's funny. It happens sort of thing. It does. Um, but I would say really mostly like silly, but also passionate, really. Lovely. I like that description. <laughs> I feel like there may have been a mention of a queef on like Broad City, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But that's... The only thing I can think of. I, like, remember the first time I queefed and I felt so embarrassed. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't fart. I swear. Like, it was my vagina. And I just felt like you you have to explain yourself. And you're like, no, it's not what you think. Please. Oh, dear. Yeah, but when you find somebody who's mature and um, is understanding, you don't have to feel so embarrassed about it. Definitely. Well, I have had such a good time interviewing you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for being had. Um, Do you have any closing words that you would like to uh, leave with the listeners? It goes back to testing. Um, Go out and get tested before you get into a relationship or before you start seeing somebody new and you're thinking about engaging in condomless sex, ask them to get tested. I think that's like a really good bonding experience. Like it's awkward as hell sometimes, but like y'all will come out on the other end and there's not going to be any surprises. If somebody comes up with chlamydia, go ahead, get it treated before you guys become intimate. And if they say no, then 
break up with them or don't don't sleep with them because that's that's a little shady that's a little sketchy so go out and get tested that is a little shady right to be like why why not bad sign yeah 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 like what else do they not do like do you brush your teeth yeah do you like change your underwear it's very sus so um go out get tested know your status um Mm -hmm. know your worth add tax um, I have a lot of things to say, but that's add really tax? it. Yeah, like know your worth and then add tax to it. Like, oh, I see. Charge interest. Like, don't let somebody waste your time. <laughs> For real. And when you recommend people take, um, like, tell their partners, like, hey, we should both go to get tested. Do you recommend they go together or separately? You know, I see, so obviously they can't both be together in the room when we're testing them. We have to test them separately. But if they want to both discuss their results at the end, Mm -hmm. we can bring them in. It's honestly up to the person. But Mm -hmm. I've seen when they come out the waiting room and they have their result cards and they're both like, I'm negative. I think that's like a really (laughs) cute moment. Yeah. Um, I was imagining, I'm like, wow, this would be like the most like moving forward 2019. Yeah. Let's like... For our next date, we're going to go get tested together. I think that we is absolutely cute. We are for our cute. health. We yes. are for our future. Mm-hmm. This is 2019. Absolutely. Like, that's living. what I encourage. I remember an older couple, I would say probably, like, in their 60s, they had just gotten into a new relationship, and they hadn't even had sex, and they came in to get tested just so they were, like, all on the same page. And Aww. I was like goals this is so cute I know y'all have just gotten into this relationship but I can't wait to be 65 and getting (laughs) tested regularly the dream (laughs) the absolute dream gold stars coming out of your eyes truly all of it ah Mackenzie thank you so much I've had such an amazing time interviewing you and just have a great day oh my god thank you you're so precious thank you for having (laughs) me stay in touch thanks for listening to the peak which is hosted and produced by me, Robin. Our theme music was written by Johnny Manchild of Johnny Manchild and the Poor Bastards. You can follow us on Facebook or at our website, thepeak.blueberry.net. That's thepeak.blubrry.net. If you have a question or comment about anything we talked about today, or if you would like to be a guest on the show, send me an email at thepeakpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.